Good morning. It's good to see you today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or uh, on the website, uh, podcast, or in the chapel or the warehouse here. Uh, we're glad that you guys are along too. Hey, don't you love Thanksgiving? Don't you? Listen, yeah, I'm telling you what. Did you know, you probably didn't know this, but uh, there are 675 million pounds of turkey that are consumed at Thanksgiving. And that's just in Mount Pleasant. Um, (laughs) My family and I, because everybody's scattered, we had Thanksgiving early. Uh, Somebody in the church uh, was so gracious as to allow us to stay at their beach house. And uh, so we gathered together and we had Thanksgiving early. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is, is a time just to kind of, you know, pause, isn't it? And, and give thanks for what God's doing. And so, you know, we have prayer before every meal and it ended up at, the, at, at our meal times that the prayer always ended up being the same because before one of the adults could get launched into a prayer, one of the kids led out in their favorite prayer and then we'd all do it together. And Rather than just tell you about it, let me show you our Thanksgiving prayer. Well, listen, go ahead and applaud. I thought it was great. Miles was ready for that amen. Do you have anybody in your family like that? Ready for that amen. Let's jump in to get us a little turkey. You guys know the history of Thanksgiving, the pilgrims coming over on the Mayflower, and how that half of them, 102 came, and half of them died in the first year. William Bradford, their leader, uh, felt like uh, on that first kind of November uh, that they had been together for ne- nearly a year here in, in the United States, felt like that they needed to just hit the pause button and stop and focus on how good God had been. For some of them, that was hard because they'd lost family members, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. But they paused on that first Thanksgiving to say thank you to God. Well, what I wanted to do this weekend is hit the pause button at Seacoast. And I want to take some time just to say thank you to God and also to say thank you to you for your giving. And so here's, let's get started. Get your outline sheet. Did you get an outline sheet as you came in? Why don't you pull it? Yeah, you did. Come on. Here it is right here. It's an offering envelope. Pull it out. Pull it out. Come on. Come on. Some of you are going, oh no, where are you going? You're going to love it. I'm promising you're going to love it. Pull it out. Pull it out. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to preach from the offering envelope, okay? Three points, and they're all on there. Point number one, thanks for giving. Thanks for giving. Point number one is right up here, and it's called the tithe. Can you say tithe together? Tithe. You know what the offering envelope is? The offering envelope is a tangible symbol of our gratefulness to God for what He has given to us. Did you know that the tithe was instituted by God in order for us to learn generosity? Is generosity a natural inclination for you? 
For me, it's not. Selfishness is a natural inclination for me. For most people, it's that way. So if you're just way, way too perfect, I know that. But for, I'm going to preach for the rest of us. For the rest of us, there's, a, there's a, just a bent towards selfishness. And God said, I'm going to institute something that's going to constantly remind you of your generosity. This week we were in this house and, and we have seven grandkids and the oldest one's three. And uh, there are two of them that are kind of toddlers. The, well, several toddlers, but two of them are getting a little bit, where they're a little bit more mobile. Uh, Miles and Addison. Addison's two. Miles is, is three. And Addison uh, loves to chase and scream and squeal and all this kind of stuff. And so every once in a while, she would come ripping through the living room or wherever I happened to be. And uh, Miles is in hot pursuit and she's screaming and she would be carrying this box. This box was an empty box of Pampers. I mean, we went through record number of Pampers in a week. I mean, I've never seen so many divers in my life. So we had an empty Pampers box. And she would run through with this Pampers box, protecting, hoarding, hiding something in there, hoping that Miles wouldn't get it. So finally one day I stopped her. I said, Addison, what's in the box? And so she reluctantly opened it up. You know what was in there? One dirty sock. That was her treasure. That's what she was hiding, protecting, and hoarding. I thought about God. I thought as He sees us, hiding, protecting, and hoarding in our boxes. Things that we think are so valuable, but to Him they must look like a dirty sock. And so God says, I didn't create you to hoard and protect. I created you to be generous. And so He institutes the tithe. What does the tithe mean? The tithe uh, just simply means uh, one-tenth. It's one-tenth. And, and in the Old Testament, God says specifically that He wants us to set aside for Him the first 10%, one-tenth of all that we make and all that we have. In fact, there's a scripture in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 that says, a tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belongs to the Lord. And it must be set apart to him as holy. He said, this is really, really important. It belongs to me. I let you use it. But in order to let you use it, all I'm asking is that you acknowledge my ownership and set aside one-tenth for me. And hey, by the way, it's holy. It's important to me. You know, in Malachi 3.10, God says that we can test him with the tithe. He says that he will certainly bless us if we trust him. A couple of years ago, we did a series uh, called How to Be Rich. Some of you are here during that. And uh, Jeff, my brother, illustrated the meaning of the tithe in a creative way. Take a look at this. See, what tithing teaches us is it teaches us to put God first. Let me show you how that works. We're going to let this pie represent how we handle our finances. Here's what we do a lot of times. Comes the end of the month, time to pay the bills. And so we uh, got to cut a slice out here. You know, the first slice that we're going to need to cut, it's our biggest part of our, of our pie, is we need to cut a piece out for our mortgage, our house payment. So nice big slice, nice house though. Wow, very impressive. So we're going to get our mortgage out and uh, put it right there. Oh, bad news, adjustable rate mortgage. We're going to have to cut a little more out this month. Sorry about that. Gotta hate it, huh? Then the next piece that we need is car payment. 
So we need to cut a nice piece for the car payment. But what's great is you look great in that car, you really do. And of course, wife's car payment too, a little bit smaller. I mean, she doesn't need as nice a car as you do, does she? So we'll put that over there too. Yeah, there we go. Oh, went shopping this week. We had new clothes. That was great. Got to pay the credit card payment. So we're going to cut out a piece for the credit card bill. Here we go. Right here. Uh, what about the kids? The kids are uh, they're expensive. Whose idea was that? Oh, love the kids. Love the kids. But boy, by the time you buy the uniforms and you got the school bills and you got the insurance bills and you got the doctor bills and then the kids want to play soccer and get on the travel team and oh my goodness that can cost a lot and then of course we got to pay the uh, cable tv the internet the cell phone i mean that stuff really adds up after a while so we got to pay that this month so we're going to go ahead and take care of that right now and oh look at this Got something with the kids, uh, car, got a little left for me here. So we're just gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna slide over here next to the kids. They don't need that whole plate to themselves. That looks great. Oh, I forgot God, shoot. Well, it looks like we've got a little left here for God. So we'll give God, yeah, we'll give God the leftovers. Let me show you another way to do this. This is how we put God first, and this is how tithing helps me put God first in, in my life. Here's what I do. As I look at my end-of-the-month bills, and the first thing I do is I say, you know what? I'm going to take about 10%, the tithe, I'll take about 10%, and I am going to set that aside first for God. About 10%. And get this out here. Yeah, we're gonna give that to God. And now look, I've got 90% left. See, that's the other thing that tithing teaches me. It teaches me to put God first, but it also teaches me to have faith in God. Here's how that works. I've got 90% of a pie, and I've got 100% of a pie. Now, I believe that 90% with God's blessing will go as far or further than 100% without God's blessing. In fact, there's a, there's a cool scripture in the Bible, Malachi 3.10. And basically it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. We talked about that a few minutes ago. And then it says, test me in this. God says, test me in this. Did you know that's the only place in the whole Bible that God asks us, invites us to test him? And what he's saying is, take the tithe, take it out first, and then test me and see if it'll go as far or further than 100% without the tithe. I'll tell you what I'm gonna test right now. I'm gonna test a piece of this pie. Man, this looks good. Mmm, I love me some apple pie. Now that's not right just before lunch, is it? <laughs> so have you tried that? Have you, have you tried tithing? Debbie and I started about 30 years ago very honestly, when we first got married, we didn't do it. And we were in a church service, kind of like this, and, and they were teaching on the tithe. And I had just lost my job and was hoping for another one. Uh, we had $30. I was living with my parents. We had $30 between the two of us. And uh, I leaned over to her and I said, 
I think God's prompting us to kind of start this and we haven't been doing it. What if I gave him 25 out of the 30? And she says, well, might as well give him the whole 30 if you're going to do that, you know. <laughs> and so we did. And we have uh, given God our tithes ever since. And it's done something different in our heart. We've learned to trust God. And it's been an, an, an incredible, incredible ride. Something that I know, though, is that it's easier to give God a tithe when you only have $30 than it is when you have a few thousand dollars. But God honors it. And uh, that's how we learn generosity. Now, here's where I want to go with this. Where does the tithe go? A lot of times we really don't know. Listen, in the Old Testament, uh, it, there was some clear definition of where it was to go. And it was to go to the local storehouse, which was kind of the equivalent of the church. And it was for um, the people who served in the ministry and for the needs of the kind of doing the, the local the local synagogue or the local church. Here's how we use it at Seacoast. And we have for 23 years now. About 50% of the tithe goes towards salaries of those who serve in the local church. My salary, campus pastor salaries, those that serve as administrative assistants, those that serve in various areas of ministry, uh, about 50% of the tithe goes towards that. And this is what's very interesting is how many of you have noticed there's been a bit of an economic downturn over the last couple of years? Anybody uh, been awake for that? Yeah, okay. Um, the sad part of that is a lot of churches that I'm in relationship to, in fact, most of them, have had to um, lay off people uh, who work in the church. And there have been layoffs, you know, everywhere in, in uh, the marketplace, in the church. Because of your generosity... To be real honest with you, we haven't had to do that because you guys are generous. Like two things, your generosity and some very wise business people in our church who have helped us to kind of manage through and budget through uh, this time. So we want to say thank you for your giving, real honestly. Um, 50% goes there, 20% goes towards buildings to keep the lights on, and then the rest of it goes towards the ministry doing the stuff um, that, um, that, that we do in the children's area and all the different areas um, that we're a part of. And so what I wanted to do this weekend was just stop, pause, and say thank you. So we've got a little video that is some of our staff saying thank you to you, and then some of you saying thanks for what happens around here. So take a look at this. Hey, guys. My name is Ryan. I lead worship out at the West Aston campus and just wanted to take a minute to thank you guys for your generosity and um, and your giving, um, it really, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that I get to do what I do here and um, it helps me feed my family and really um, still be able to put the time and energy to uh, make our weekend worship the experience that it is deserving of our Creator. Um, just wanted to say thank you for giving. Hey Seacoast, I work here in the video department, which means that um, for those of you who uh, give to Seacoast in your regular ties, you support me and um, make it possible for me to be in full-time ministry. That's something that changes my life every single day, and I'm so thankful to all of you who support the ministry here at Seacoast. And I just want to encourage you and let you know that because you give, we are able to send the message out, and it's not restricted by space or time or building, but it goes to youth groups in Texas and radio shows in Canada and anywhere in the world. So Seacoast, thanks for giving. Hey Seacoast, my name is Brandon Hare. I'm the Student Ministries Director at the Somerville campus. One of the great things that 
we have the opportunity to do here at Seacoast is to pour into the lives of the next generation. And uh, on behalf of myself and, and the other youth guys, we just want to thank you so much for entrusting your students with us and say, Seacoast, thanks for giving. We wanted to thank the Wood family and the Ezos for helping us do our uh, babyhood transitions <laughs> with our little boy Noah and uh, teaching us how to raise our child with uh, Christian um, principles and really just giving us the fellowship of other families that are going through the same stage with us. So thank you for opening your home and opening your heart. I think as uh, the ice melted and the genuineness of the people in this, in this uh, body of believers uh, got me back in the foothold of plugging back in, and I'm really thankful for that. Hi, I want to thank Miss Lawrence from the Children's Ministry because she's always there with a hug and a smile, and she knows us by name. And thank you for introducing me to a love for serving through Nerve to Serve. Hey, Seacoast, thanks for giving. Thank you, Seacoast. Thank you, Seacoast. Hello from Crete, Greece. Thank you, Seacoast, so much for reaching across the distance and touching our hearts. Seacoast, thank you. Seacoast. Thank you. I want to thank Seacoast for giving. My dad helps with the big church. My mom helps with the little church. So I am so thankful for this church and for God showing me what can be done through him. Thanks for giving, Seacoast. Thanks for giving us hope when, I, when we were down and out and really needed you and y'all have been there for us. And Man, we're just grateful to be here and for everything y'all do. And I'm so grateful. Hey, Seacoast, thanks for giving. Yeah, and we want to say thank you. All right, get your outline sheet out. Get your outline sheet out. Got it? All right, here we go. We got a tithe. The second one is hope. What's up with hope? You know, when we really experience the generosity of God in our lives, the tithe is just the beginning point. The good stuff happens beyond the tithe when you give more than a tithe. And uh, when we give to help needs of people in our community and around the world, we call that hope. Um, one of the scriptures that really grabbed my heart and propelled us to start Seacoast Church was the whole uh, fourth chapter of Acts. The power of the Holy Spirit in a group of people. And when a group of people got radically committed to God, what could happen through them and through their giving to God and to one another? In fact, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 34, it kind of characterizes what that kind of church looks like. It says, There was no poverty among them because people who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money to the apostles to give to others in need. There was no poverty. Now, what, what this scripture is not saying, it's not a, you know, an apologetic or uh, for communism. You know, it's not saying that the government needs to take what somebody has and give it to somebody else. And it doesn't say that the church needs to, you know, bang people's heads and enforce that type of thing. What it's saying is that when people's hearts are changed, when generosity becomes the operating principle, then oftentimes those who have margin will take a piece of that margin and give it to those who don't so that there are no needs among them. That's my dream. That's my desire. We actually saw that at the beginning, uh, the, the, the beginnings of that, at the beginning of this financial downturn. Actually, when we did the series, How to Be Rich, the end of that was an Acts 
4 fund. Some of you are familiar with that. Where some of you who had margin gave toward the Acts 4 fund so that some of us who maybe didn't uh, during that time could benefit from it. And hundreds of families were helped with utilities and helped with food and helped with all kinds of things inside this church because of the generosity of many of you. And I would say to you, thanks for giving. Now, there are all kinds of other expressions of hope. Uh, One of those is the Dream Center in North Charleston. Many of you are familiar with it. You've been there. Uh, It began as just an outreach into a community with some adopt-a-blocks in order to help with uh, uh, people who God loves tremendously, who maybe had less of an opportunity in life. And then a ministry was established. And then uh, finally, a, a full medical clinic Uh, was established called the Dream Center Clinic. So I thought I'd take just a minute and show you what's going on at the Dream Center Clinic. Take a look at this. Hello, I'm Bill Bartaccini. I'm the Executive Director of the Dream Center Clinic. I thank you all so much for supporting us and for helping us reach out to the community to give hope and dignity to our patients that come. So we appreciate you very much. We appreciate the opportunity to be here and to be into the community and to have such a wonderful group of patients and volunteers. I'm here with Dr. Dr. Cobb, who's been with us also since the beginning, and one of our patients, Carrie. Hi. Um, I I appreciate the fact that y'all are here because y'all do for me what none of the body else could do for me with the income that I have. I getting everything as far as health on track and keeping it that way with the help of the Dream Center Clinic and I want to thank them for giving. My name is Fred Hudson and we're here at the Dream Center in North Charleston uh, providing services for we have a pantry here going and we have a, a clinic as well as the dream closet which you see behind us. They're providing services for people to meet the needs of this community. So, Seacoast, thanks for giving. Now, about one year ago exactly, we came to you guys with a really big idea. We said, you know what? Um, The biggest uh, killer of people in the world is unclean water kills more people than poverty. It kills more people than AIDS. It kills more people globally than anything else. We think we can do a little something about it. We can't attack it all ourselves, but we can be a little piece of it. And so we challenged you uh, with something called the hope epidemic. We said, take home, well, rather than tell you about it, let's kind of review what happened. Okay, take a look. This is a water system from Water Missions International. And with this system, they can provide clean water for 3,000 people. Everybody today got a bottle that looks like this that says Hope Epidemic on it. Here's what we want you to do with that bottle. Fill it up with money that can be turned into clean water around the world. We're going to buy a bunch of these systems. I'd love to see us get together and buy 10 of these water systems and distribute them around the world where they don't have access to clean water. Let's change our world. Two thousand and ten is here, and it's begun with a cry uh, for water and hope from Haiti. And by the grace of God and your giving, uh, we're able to step up and meet some of the need. 
In fact, the water system is already on its way uh, to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I'm here uh, in Port-au-Prince. We have a water system here uh, that you guys uh, gave uh, uh, money towards, and uh, it's feeding a refugee camp here. And so I just want to thank you and the people of uh, Haiti that we've run into want to thank you from the bottom of their hearts for giving to Hope Epidemic. Thank you to Seekers Church and Hope Epidemic to give us the opportunity to have water treatment system and help Haiti. He has used them in our nation and I pray that Seekers to be used somewhere else too to touch hearts and lives of people who need people like this, you know. And your church has done something great to us. And my heartfelt thanks and gratitude to Seacoast. Now the kids are enjoying the fast water in Sasat. They have never had it for over four decades. And we thank God for your love and uh, and, and generosity. So May the Lord bless you so much. It is what you have uh, prayed so much for and worked so hard for. And uh, raise the support that you've raised to uh, bring fresh, clean water to the village of the Sasak area. You guys have given uh, above and beyond anything we could ask or imagine, over $350,000 now and uh, it's making a huge difference all over the world. See, what we didn't know when we came to you with a big idea a year ago is that within just a few days there would be an earthquake in Haiti. I think God knew. And we were able to be on the ground right away. We had the resources, the money, and the ability. And we had a goal in, at Christmas time of 10 water systems. Uh, this year, we were able to put in 11 wells and water systems all around the world. I think God needs a big yay God for that. Do you agree? Well, that didn't fix the whole problem in the world, so we're going to continue to give. We're going to continue to put in water systems, but we're going to attack one more thing. We're going to attack education this year also. Do you know that there's over a billion people without the basics of education? And education is a key to rising above poverty, both here in the United States and around the world. I'm not going to go all into it. I don't have time uh, this, this weekend, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to share with you an education initiative along with clean water uh, that we feel like God is going to help us to make a little bit of a difference. So you give your tithes to support the local church. You give above your tithes to support mercy issues and give hope to people in the community and around the world. Do you have your outline sheet out? Do you? Okay. Keep, keep it handy there. Um, the third one is what? Seed. What is seed? Seed is when we actually um, plant churches and provide for the work of God, which moves the kingdom forward both here and around the world. In the Old Testament, they gave their tithe for the work of the local church. But when they needed to build 
buildings or when a church was in need or a synagogue was in need somewhere, they gave free will offerings above their tithes. In fact, you see that in the New Testament also with Paul when he goes and he collects offerings from different churches to help others who need kind of a boost in going forward. And that's what we do with that that's uh, designated as seed. We plant seed when we open a new campus or provide a building for one. Happened in Asheville uh, this year. Those of you who are at the Asheville campus, you're in a building that was a result of people giving above their tithes towards seed. Great building. And uh, as you know, from the day we opened the building, the attendance uh, increased by one third and has continued to grow almost every week there. If you're in Somerville right now, you know what's going on up there. Uh, the church is growing and growing. The campus is growing and it's, the numbers are approaching 2,000 people in multiple services. And just uh, a few months ago, an opportunity uh, came uh, where we could provide another campus in Somerville just a mile away. We're going to call it the Somerville Annex. But because some of you are giving and some here are giving towards seed, uh, we're able to multiply that. And in, in Christmas Eve of this year, uh, we will launch our 13th campus. Is it 13 or 14? I can't remember. Um, you know, what's, what's one more when you're having fun? But anyway, in Somerville, which will provide more services, and that came as a result of seed offerings. Okay? So when we plant campuses, we're moving the kingdom along. We also plant churches. When we seed, we plant seed, we plant new churches, um, or we help other churches in need, both here and around the world. As a lot of you know, we started a church planting organization called the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, almost 10 years ago. Uh, take a look at this. We plant life. When life comes, everything happens. Now, the story of ARC. In 2001, a group of pastors formed ARC, the Association of Related Churches, to plant life-giving churches across the United States. Greg Surratt, Chris Hodges, Rick Bazet, Dino Rizzo, Billy Hornsby, Scott Hornsby. Since that time, nearly 200 churches have been planted in the U.S., churches that are making a difference. Churches that are bringing life to cities throughout the country. Some have become the fastest growing and largest churches in America. As Ark has grown, God has added partner churches. And now, God is asking us to think internationally. For the past eight years, Ark has partnered with Equip, a ministry that trains millions of leaders in more than 140 countries. Together, we're resourcing and encouraging new leaders, church planners, and pastors who are bringing life to their own cities around the world. ARC's lead team has made Equip's ministry a major missions focus. In the years to come, we'll continue to work together, training Equip alumni in church planning, funding new churches, and building relationships with emerging pastors. ARC exists to plant life in every country, in every city. We plant life.
Hi, my name is John Ferguson, and I'm with New Thing, a church planting network based out of Chicago. And we're going to be launching three brand new church sites in the city of Chicago in three different neighborhoods over the next 18 months. And because of your generosity, thousands of people will find their way back to God. So, hey, Seacoast, thanks for giving. Hey, Seacoast Church, John Bishop here. I pastor Living Hope Church in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, I have the honor of, of being able to know some of, uh, of the great leaders at Seacoast. Um, love Greg and uh, Jeff and love what God is doing in your lives. And Sean has been such a, a good friend. And uh, as I think about Seacoast and think about um, your, your influence and your, um, your contribution to, to God's kingdom, I want to thank you for a couple things. Number one, two years ago we had a situation where we weren't able to meet because of this snowstorm. We weren't able to meet as a church in our facility in any of our campuses for the better, I think it was three weeks actually, including Christmas Eve services. So um, we, we were in a place where we weren't going to make payroll and it was just a real um, uh, uh, tough situation. And I will never forget as long as I live getting a check in the mail uh, from Seacoast Church with a note from Greg. Um, and I just felt such such a sense of, 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 of grace and of gratitude for you and for you as a church body, that your generosity is, is, is known and you're known. Just like um, Paul says to the church at Corinth, you excel in all these things, now excel in the gift of giving. And I, I think of Seacoast, I think you do that. You excel at the gift of giving. Thank you, Seacoast Church. Thank you for being a church that's not just about... Um, your community, communities, thank you for being a church that's about the church at large and you're about the kingdom of God. And, and I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity. And uh, only in heaven will you really know the impact that you've had in our life as a church all the way across the country. So God bless you. I hope to see you sometime. Hello, Seacoast Church. My name is Sebastian van Dessem. I'm the lead pastor of Thousand Hills International Church, as well as a lead team member of Europe Advance, which is a church planting network here. I'm so thankful for our friendship with Pastor Greg Surratt and so many of your staff and with Seacoast as a whole. Uh, you guys are doing an amazing job in investing in the harvest field in Europe uh, by sending your pastor over and Josh Surratt over uh, in, in helping us here with training leaders and, um, and doing a church planters roundtable. What we need is churches like Seacoast to get involved in the harvest, to really help train leaders, to really cast vision for, uh, for bringing a change to Europe. We're so thankful for the partnership, uh, for, the, for the time investment that your pastor could make on behalf of you, as well as uh, the financial support that you've, help, you've given to help uh, Europe Advance get started. May God bless you for that, and I'm really looking forward to see more of you guys come over here and to serve, and I'm looking forward to come back to Charleston as well to, uh, to see you all there. Hey Seacoast, my name is Pete Wilson, and I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. And as many of you know, uh, we experienced a just catastrophic flood in May of this year uh, that was just devastating to our community. They call it the 1,000-year flood. But it was also an incredible opportunity for our church to respond to the needs of our community. Uh, however, it was such a huge task we knew we couldn't do by ourselves. And we're so thankful for Seacoast Church just stepping up and partnering with us. You guys sent supplies, you sent money, you sent people. In so many different ways, you guys reached out and just helped us. And so from the bottom of our hearts, we are so grateful. We could have never done the ministry that we were able to do in this community if it wasn't for your faithful support. So hey, Seacoast, 
Thanks for giving. Hey guys, this is Naeem Fossil from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I just want to tell you, man, you guys have been so good to us. And thank you so much for, for just giving of yourself to us. It's been almost five years now. And uh, I can remember as we launched out our first year, I mean, we felt so supported for you, from you guys. And, and over these years, you guys are the reason that we've been able to reach hundreds of people. We've been able to baptize dozens of people and seeing people come to Christ. So, hey, Seacoast, thanks for giving. Hey, Seacoast Church, Rob Ketterling here, lead pastor at River Valley Church in Minnesota. Just want to say thank you, Seacoast, for your generous giving in the past. There was a time where we had a financial crisis, and your church has stepped in and blessed us financially. And I want to let you know that that was so appreciated, and we've really moved forward since then. Lives have been changed. People have found Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. We've tripled in size as a church and have been one of the 100 fastest growing churches in America. And to think you stepped in at a critical time and were generous to us, I want to say to Seacoast, thank you for giving. Seacoast Church, what's up? My name is Ryan May. My lovely bride, Selena, and I ventured out from the Long Point campus two years ago to start a new church in Chattanooga, Tennessee called The Net. Want to just touch base with you and let you know what came of that decision. We took all the money that you guys had given us, and we decided instead of starting a church in Tennessee, we went ahead and bought a timeshare in Aruba. Awesome. I'm just kidding about that. That's not true. What's that? Oh, don't mind that. That's, uh, that's just a picture from a three-day cruise in the Caribbean. Truth is, we are in Chattanooga, and we're loving it. Uh, you guys have been used by God to reach people in this city who'd given up on God. A lot of people who had never even experienced God before. We are seeing almost daily lives changed, hearts turned toward Christ, and a love just coming from the people of our church uh, to this city that is in desperate need of a Savior. All of that is possible because you chose to give beyond yourselves. And so from the heart of Rocky Top, Tennessee, hey, Seacoast, thanks for giving. I miss that guy. They're doing a great job in Tennessee. Thanks for giving, you guys. You give your tithes so that good things can happen here and take care of the families that serve you. You give through hope to the mercy needs of those in our community and around the world. And then you give seed so that we can kind of push the, the kingdom forward just a little bit by church planting and campuses all over the world. Let me, let me say one more thing to you. There's another card in your bulletin. When you pull it out, it looks like this. Thanks for giving. And it deals with end-of-the-year giving. You know, every year at the end of the year, many of us give an extra gift. Uh, some people give an extra end-of-the-year gift because, you know, they're in, like commission sales or they own their own business and they're not really sure what their tithes are going to be, so they kind of try to estimate it. And they come to the end of the year and they find out that God had blessed them a little bit more than they thought, and so they give an end-of-the-year gift. Others just at the end of the year, it's just part of our tradition as a family to get together and pray and say, God, thank you for giving to us. How can we be a blessing to those beyond ourselves? And so we give an extra gift at the end of the year. And I want to tell you what we're going to do with end of the year gifts. We're going to do a 10, 10, 80. We're going to take 10% of the end of the year gifts that come in 
And we're going to put them toward seed in helping to plant churches uh, both here and around the world. I've got to make an admission to you. Um, I was in Europe just a few... Well, let, let me tell you how the ark started, just real quickly. The ark started when uh, Chris Hodges came to me and he said, I'd like to plant a church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I felt the leading of the Lord that we were to give him $20,000 as startup funds and then to guarantee his first year income so he wouldn't have to worry about how his family was going to live. And uh, they, they started a church like that. Well, his friend, Rick Bazette, uh, came, or heard about it. And he called me and he said, hey, bro, I love you too. Do you love me? And I said, well, yeah, I love you, but we really... And, and then I thought, no, go ahead and do it. And so we did it, even though we really didn't have the resources to do it. We had to take it from somewhere else. It wasn't in the budget. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what I said to those guys is this. I said, if you'll take this money, you don't have to pay us back. It's an investment in the kingdom. But what I want you to do is I want you to... Give it to somebody else to start another church. That's how we started the ark. And it multiplied and multiplied. And then we each give just a little bit every month to a fund so that we can grow and grow and grow. Well, I was in Europe the other day. And I was speaking for a small group of churches who were trying to get the same thing going. And they were talking about planting their first church. And they, they needed the resources to do it. And I'm sitting there and God's tugging at my heart. Have you ever had that happen? And God's tugging at my heart. And finally I blurted out, Seacoast will give $10,000. Well, we don't have it in the budget. So I was hoping some of you would cover me just a little bit. <laughs> the end of the year and God will bless you in heaven someday as a result of that. Do you understand how that happens sometimes? Okay. All right. Applause is great. I need a few of you to stroke a check. Okay. But anyway, that's, that's what we did. We try to do a budget, but sometimes I get too excited. So, so now it's happening in Europe. That's so exciting. But anyway, so uh, 10% there, 10% we're going to be able to fund some more mercy things around the world. And then with the other 80%, we're going to fund some things that we need to fund here in the local church and in your local campuses. Does that make sense? And so if, if you guys give a little, little extra at the end of the year, that's how we're going to use it. And, and we really appreciate your faithfulness in giving. All right. That's my message. Thanks for giving. What if we all did that? What if we all, you know, decided that God had blessed us in such a way and we hit the pause button and we gave thanks this Thanksgiving season? What if we all did our part and we began to tithe? Some of us for the very first time began to honor God with our tithe and test Him and see if He wouldn't bless us in it. And others gave above their tithe towards seed and hope. What, what, what if we all did that? What if we all actively pursued being a blessing in our community because of our gratefulness. Do you think God could use that? Do you think that would make a difference in a major way? I think it would. Let's stand for closing prayer. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer and I'll invite you to join me in it. It goes kind of like this. God our Father, God our Father, we thank You, we thank You for Your many blessings, for Your many blessings. Amen. Amen. Let's sing it together. The guy's the first part, the lady's the second part. God our Father, we thank You 
for your many blessings. Amen. God, what an awesome thing it is to serve you and to take some time just to say thank you for your many blessings in our lives. God, thank you for the generosity of this church, which is a result of your generosity to us. God, help us to be a blessing around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.